The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Back at home, back in Garage Mahal, P Nate, Elder P, Wetsy, Knobs and Dials, and all that good stuff. It's good to be back. It was a fun live episode, and I, I enjoyed uh, the live episode. And the audio was surprisingly crisp. Although we shouldn't be surprised at this point with Dave, for it being a live studio recording. Can I point out I failed miserably at the live recording? Why is that? Because we have everybody there to finally watch how we do it and all that. All good thing, and we forgot to point out Dave. No, we didn't. Like, they saw him. Uh, they saw him, but we didn't be like, here's the other guy. Here's the third rebel, the person that nobody ever sees. That's true. Never hears, that's true. except when he chimes in and chirps us. And we just didn't do it. And it's like, that's true. You know what it is? I blame you. That's fair. I don't I'm, know why. I'm willing just, to take it. I'm willing to take it. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, fun, though. It was fun. I feel a little bit like we need a like one of those studio recording things now. Um, so that whenever you say something funny, we can have like a, a live studio. Ha ha ha. Yes. Like laugh. Yeah, that's good. If it was good enough for Seinfeld. Then it's good enough for us. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. <laughs> just, I just, just, just leave it hanging. If, if somebody could watch the video there, there was just this weird, awkward moment of like, who's talking now? Yeah. Like, Is somebody um, going to say something? Yeah. I confess I'm very tired today. That's can fair. I, can that's I point fair. that up? What we thought we'd do, actually, yeah, I guess it's been a little while since I've said this stuff. So yeah, we are the Rebels. Uh, we are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast uh, network. You can find us on any podcast catcher like you are right now if you're listening to this, I suppose. But the best place to listen to us is on the Fight, Laugh, Feast app. So get on that and check out all the various podcasts on the network. One of the things that I would say is for those of you who listened and who started listening to us because we were on the app and you listen to other things, I hope that you will see us and come find us at the uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, which is coming up in uh, Kentucky at the Ark Encounter. What's the date for that? October, like... 14 or something 10 uh, it 10 ends to 14. on the 14th so yeah, it's like the like, uh, uh, like 11th 12th and 13th 14th I yeah think, or something like that. so we'll be there anyway i don't know much about it like I, I i think we're gonna have a booth i think there's a podcaster panel of some kind i don't know but uh we'll I, be there come I, find us i literally us. have no idea i just we know should get I'm going. just as an fyi this is admin on the air we should get rebel t-shirts to wear at that conference do you think we could get them in time i assume so cross the crown cross the crown dossier there you go yep, yep. Make a note of it. Yeah. What we thought we'd do today is sort of debrief the conference. And first of all, I just wanted to say, like, it was awesome how many people who are rebel listeners who are just littered throughout Ontario, who go to other churches, who don't live near us, that we don't know, that we met at the conference because they came. They heard us talk about it on the show when they came to the conference. I wish more of them had have registered as opposed to just showing up. But um, nonetheless, it all worked out just fine, eh? Yeah. Did you meet a lot of Rebel listeners? I met, I met tons. Yeah, it was uh, great. You made the joke about registration, which is hilarious. 
just in typical man fashion, we didn't we didn't factor that in at all. No, so it was just like we did not. It was like the most manly conference. Like we didn't even factor in the fact that there'd be a lineup. I was just like, people will just walk in, they'll check in, it'll be fine. And then there was a lineup like to the road. So sorry about that, guys. Yeah, <laughs> there are things we learned about administrative responsibilities in running a conference. But overall, it was great. There was like 270 guys there, a couple of day conference, lots of great teaching, and uh, it was good. So we we thought we'd kind of debrief the conference a little bit for those who didn't get to be there. And even if you were there, I think you'll enjoy this episode because we're just going to kind of go back over some of the things that I think were helpful and impactful to people and maybe talk about some of the big themes from that conference. Because at the end of the day, one of the things that we were trying to do through that conference was to sort of reclaim a vision for biblical masculinity. One of the things that I kept hearing over and over again, specifically from some of the older gentlemen that were at the conference, was that they wished that that kind of teaching was available to them when they were younger. And so it was good to see the amount of young guys who were there. And I would say I'm in the same boat. Like I, I went through much of my 20s kind of trying to figure out biblically speaking. And there were very few guys talking about this stuff, about what biblical masculinity looked like. And in a culture that is waging such a war on masculinity, I think um, having men who, with a Bible in their hands, talking about what men should be doing with their masculinity, with their, you know, testosterone, with their sex drive, with all of this kinds of, even I would say, like assertive and domineering tendencies, what to do with all of that stuff. So anyway, mm-hmm. I think the conference went really well. Um, I guess we can just take a couple minutes to just talk about like, what what feedback did you get from the conference? Like, what, what did you hear from guys? Yeah, I, I got almost universally good feedback about it. It was very positive. I felt like, and I hope some of the guys who were there would agree with us. There just seemed to be a very good like atmosphere of the conference. A lot of conferences you go to and there's like, there's always a buzz about a conference, right? It's kind of fun to do. And like, but this one just felt a little bit more poignant, I guess would be the, like it, it felt thick, even though like, it was like in good spirits, like people were having a really good time, but it was like, people were there for like thirsty and very hungry to like hear what was being said. I think I said this to you off air or might've said it on the, on the last podcast. Can't remember, but I think God just used the opportunity that we're in in the season that our church is in and some of our guys are in um, to strike a chord that just is resonating with young men across Ontario, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the areas. And, and like, because like even just the Men of Valor tag seemed to pique everybody's interest. And like, it was like everything that that, that kind of happened just kind of fit so well together. And that's like, like the spirit was doing that, not us, right? Like from the social to the packed house that even the even the 70 guys who didn't register and who just showed up it didn't actually throw a wrench into anything right like we yeah. it, it all worked it, all, it was all fine obviously there's like things on the behind the scenes stuff that we have to work on to, f- to make it more smooth for for the next time which there will be a next time there will be but overall i thought it was really good just the way the conference built on itself so like you started on friday night then we had the rebels episode then the social and then saturday was like First thing in the morning, kind of like two heavy kind of talks, then like a whole bunch of practical stuff. And then we ended up with kind of big vision picture, kind of overarching. That's how the conference kind of went. And it all just worked really well together. I had lots of people say, this sounds like we're tooting our own horns and I don't mean it like that. But like I had a lot of people who had never been to a conference before yeah, saying things like, I didn't know what to expect. This is exactly what I was missing. This is what I needed. And I know we both talked about this as well. Like the atmosphere from our men on the Sunday after at the church, like everybody was still wearing their dog tags. Yeah. We did sing and it seemed like it, the men were like leading the worship. I just felt that it was very impactful for a lot of people, including myself. Like I thought it was a great conference and I've been to tons, you know what I mean? So I quite enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I agree. Like we could just get into patting each other on the back because we have done that over the last uh, week or so. Uh, we're really good at yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're right? really good at stuff. Uh, like, but that's not what we wanted to do. We kind of wanted to take this episode and kind of rehash some of the themes of the conference because as much as it was awesome that so many, you know, we had, I would say there's probably like 50, like an influx of 50 or so rebel listeners from across Ontario that, that we didn't know, that we'd never met before, who came to the conference from various places in southwestern Ontario. But I mean, we there, there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast. And so I would just say, let's rehash some of those things so that everybody can kind of benefit from some of the things that uh, other people who were there found helpful. And I guess if there was a if there was a big idea of the conference, it was the idea that sort of that men were made to take dominion, right? We live in a culture where obviously Matt Walsh did his whole his whole thing. What is a woman, right? But you know, even the the ability to answer the question, what is a man, and what what did God make men for? And I said this at the beginning of my first talk: is if, if you ask, and I have asked many people this, what, like, what did God make men for? Most Christians don't actually have a category for the difference between why God made men versus why God made women. Like people might have a vague understanding of why God made people, right? And I would say that there's some people who would say, you know, God created people for fellowship or something or to show his love or something. I think those who are better taught would say that God created people for his glory. But when you start to get specific in terms of gender, why did God make men versus why did God make women? People don't really have a category to answer that question. So we answer the question, what did God make men for? God made men to take dominion. That's what men are made for. They're made for dominion. And what we, how we define dominion was that uh, dominion is the fruitful, representative rulership of men on the earth, right? It's to take God's rule and reign, his physical presence and his rule, his reign, his law, and bring it to bear in the world around us. And so men are meant to extend God's rule. And so we talked about this even from the very beginning of Genesis, that that God created the world. He created sort of these three spheres for Adam to live in. He created the world itself, which was sort of an untamed wilderness. He created Eden, which was sort of a habitable home for Adam and Eve. It's where they settled even after the fall. And then there was a garden in the east of Eden where God placed man, and that was sort of the sanctuary. So you have the sanctuary, you have the home, and then you have the untamed wild. And so it shows the three spheres that man is made for. We're made to worship God. We're made to live in a place where we have taken dominion of and to rule over. And then there's a untamed world over which we are not currently ruling, but we are to spread out the rule in our home from the sanctuary through our home into the world around us. So um, the idea there and, and the principle that I think we see is that dominion works from the inside out, starts with worship, works its way into the home in which we find ourselves and eventually out through the world. And so the, the way we structured the conference was to talk through how in order to take dominion of the world around us, men must first rule themselves well, second rule their families well, third rule within the church well, and, and then, then and only then can we rule within the culture well. So that was sort of the structure of the conference. Would you say that there was any particular talk that you felt like landed differently on guys in terms of like where conviction was and what resonated with people? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I, I, I did have a funny laugh when it's like, all of a sudden I just realized that like we put on our first conference and what was it about? Post-millennial dominion. Of course. <laughs> like, yeah, of course it was. Is, um, is that a shock like, to anybody who no, knows no, us? No, it's yeah. not. Um, so that made, made me laugh. I, I would say there was a couple like of the small talks that were very impactful. I think they're all online, like by they're, now. They're not posted yet, but by the time this episode goes live, I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Oh, oh perfect. Yeah. So look up Ted Rumpel's like how to die well talk. Yeah, um, and it, like so, just Cole's notes. I won't spoil the whole talk, but he started with a letter from a son to a father at the Battle of Gettysburg. Yeah. Talking about like how he was raised right, he'll be brave, and he'll face the enemy. And then he ends with a father writing it to his son, talking about like how he how he's going to die well, and it's just like. We're at a men's conference, nobody's, and there's no dry eyes. I thought that was very impactful, but I would say overall, I don't think a lot of people have given the idea of just like self control, like in self so self rule, like yep. much thought in our in our culture because we we live very much in a culture of immediacy. Like, if I want something, I get it right away. If I want a pop tart, it's in the toaster. If I want like, um, I don't know, why I use pop tarts. Pop tart of all things. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But. We have Amazon, we have, if we want music, yeah. we download Next it, delivery, like yeah. all this stuff, right? So being somebody who can be self-ruled is just, it's just a foreign concept to a lot of us because we're used to our, our urges and our basically getting what we want right away kind right. of thing. Like, and, and so like the idea of like for younger men, the delayed gratification, taking dominion of your own self, we have it much easier in our brains the idea of like take dominion around us, yeah. but like that begins with taking dominion of our, of our thought life, of our, of our thought. And so I, I just thought that like the tone was set very early on in terms of like everything we're going to talk about doesn't matter if you can't do this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, and did you point out is like the, uh, a wall without a city? Was that your talk? Yeah, pro- yeah. 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 So I started with Proverbs 25 where it says, you know, a man without self-control is like a city without walls. Yeah. that's the idea, right? So we, I think we both at various times use the analogy, like, you know, the city's on fire, Jerusalem's on fire, the world's on fire. I and, literally called yeah, my talk. And, and, um, and what, so. But what we need is, is men who can not only stop the burning, but are ready to rebuild and, and all that kind of stuff. And so the idea, I think that's, that's a good one is we have, and you kind of touched on it there, especially I would say people who listen to our podcast, because we are generally very post-millennial, we're very you know optimistic. The whole tagline here is engage culture with a biblical worldview, the idea that this is a podcast for cultural engagement. I think we attract a kind of person who's really eager to get into the cultural battles. And so I'm sure, you know, there's probably a disproportionately high amount of our listeners who are, you know, like social media warriors. And I, I don't say that in a derogatory sense. I'm saying like they're, they're, that is they're a, cowboys. That, yeah, yeah. The, well, and, and that's a, that's a place where there's a battle right now. And we probably have a high amount of our listeners who are showing up to things uh, like drag story hours to protest and the million March and all that kind of stuff. And I would just say like, there's a tendency, and this is a, a, a I think a very masculine drive the idea of wanting to be involved in the cultural war and seeing the tides turn and and all that kind of stuff do great things for Christ and you know build the kingdom of God and all that kind of stuff 
And even like, and you know, I don't want to just, even though we're kind of recapping a men's conference, I don't want to make this all masculine. We, we probably also attract a whole lot of female listeners who are stay-at-home moms, who are educating their kids at home. So they're talking about like, you know, family discipleship and all that kind of stuff. But I would just say like all of our efforts, whether it is in family discipleship, whether it's in cultural engagement, whether it's in like faithful church building, all that kind of stuff. None of it is possible if we aren't ruled by the Spirit of God first and foremost. Yeah. We forget that God is not going to build his kingdom with um, men and women who are slaves to their lust, who are slaves to their anger, who are slaves to their laziness, right? Who are slaves to all various kinds of vices that we are called first and foremost to master self. And only those who are master themselves are able to then master anything in the world around them. Yeah, amen. I thought that was very well said. And then I thought just the idea of like taking self-rule and then applying that to the family, obviously very good. Because again, men have grown up in our, I say in the church, but like men have grown up without hearing any teaching on being a good dad. It's usually all shame. A man has multiple responsibilities and it's a, it's about balancing all of those different tasks, right? Because we are called to serve in the church. We are called to be good fathers. We are called to take dominion. And like lots of men are good at one of those aspects, but not balancing the whole thing. Like and men are generalists, right? So yeah. just applying that with like, here's how you do that. And I think you just nailed it on the head. Like without the spirit, it's useless anyway, but putting those things into practice. I did have a good laugh of the fact that you got to talk about culture twice, Jordan got to talk about the family, and then somehow you stuck me with the church. <laughs> it's like, so it's like good cop, good cop, bad cop, good cop. So it just made me laugh. But I, then, I think though anybody could have taken a bad cop approach to their talk. I think you are just drawn to being a bad cop. I am. A you bad just cop, always so. assume that whatever talk I give you, whatever topic I give you, your job is to yell at people for forty-five <laughs> minutes. It was an hour and a half. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's just because my default position is like I've got a lot of problems with you people. Yeah, it was good. I think like the building on all those teachers. I just don't think men have heard that that sort of things. And like I had one piece of feedback with somebody who's like, so basically you just took the book, It's Good to Be a Man, and made a conference of it. And I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. But like I think the thing is that there's there's a, a growing number of people who are thirsting for that sort of reclamation of manhood. You know what I mean? And yeah. so and what's so funny about it is that the more our culture tries to effeminize everything and like, I just made a word up there. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but like the more the feminists reign, the more it actually drives men the other way. We end up in a situation where there are men who are toxic masculinity because they're just rejecting so much of the other things. So like, I think the conference struck a good chord because I think we all recognize that that's bad too. Yeah. But we can't also be this like Tim Keller version of men like over here. I just, I guess he's dead already, so I didn't just throw him under the bus. But like, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, he's never going to know. There's this idea of like, we want to be biblical men in the right way, which isn't a tyrant and it isn't a flake on one side either. And I think this conference just hit a really good chord of like the balance there. And I think that was, again, the spirit was working, but also just, I think we drew in a lot of guys that that's their desire. They're young, they're young men who are trying to figure this out. You yeah. know what I mean? And we had a lot of people who are, new in their faith who this is the first time that we'd even heard these things and so I just think that worked really really well is what I'm saying so I mean obviously if you're if you're listening to this and you didn't uh you weren't at the conference we would really encourage you like go and listen to the talks they're on the Crossroads Bible Church YouTube channel and stuff like that uh probably by the time you're listening to this but 
whether or not you're at the conference, I just want to take a second to talk through like, what should men do when they find themselves in this place where they know that there's something wrong, that they don't necessarily have the imitation in front of them of men to emulate? What would you say to that guy? There might be young listeners who are looking for somebody to be a mentor to them, somebody to imitate. And then there might be somebody who is sort of our age, sort of that middle age guy, you know, and he's not quite sure if he should be mentoring or still be mentored. And then that older guy, let's talk to the various age categories of, of guys that might be listening to us. But let's talk a little bit about what to do when you find yourself in this sort of listless place where you recognize that the world is against your masculinity. You know, there's something wrong with that. You've sort of been awakened to the idea that the Bible has some things to say about your masculinity, but you don't know where to go from there. Yeah. Let's talk first to the young guys. For the young guys, like, First and foremost, I'd say have hope because it's like the Bible does tell us how to be men, right? Like it isn't insufficient in this area either, right? Like we know it's sufficient in in all things. It's sufficient in this as well. First and foremost, if you don't have a mentor, you don't have anybody to imitate in your church, there's a different problem there. Maybe you're at the wrong spot. There ought to be men in your church that are worth emulating, even if they are few and far between. There ought to be. And if there isn't, then that's actually a problem. And you should maybe look for a community where you can get discipled by a guy who's worthy of imitation. Exactly. I would say that would be a a good opportunity to be like, maybe this isn't the right place for you. But most situations aren't going to be like that. There's going to be somebody. So I would say for young men, do what Paul suggests. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So find somebody who's, I'll be practical, like somebody whose marriage you respect and want your marriage to emulate, somebody who's a father that you want to emulate, somebody who works and has the work ethic that you want to be like. This can be also very like specific. Like for instance, if you, if you're like, oh, I want to be handy, find a handyman. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be somebody who has hits all these things. There's nothing wrong with having multiple mentors. Well, that's it, right? So you might even look at your church and you might say, there's not that guy out there who's just sort of the pinnacle of biblical manliness. But what you might find is that there's a a great family guy who you think leads his wife well, leads his family well, disciples his children well. And so you might look to him to mentor you in that regard. But there might be somebody else who's sort of, I guess, biblical scholarship, his study, his wrestling with the mental aspects of the faith, or somebody who's, like you said, work ethic, you know, business sense, you know, building an inheritance for his kids kind of thing. So you might kind of outsource these things to different people because you don't find one guy but you can do that in multiple ways, like you said, piecemeal it a little bit. Yeah, and and also exactly. don't forget that like when Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, you know, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example in godliness. So just because you're young doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be worthy of imitation yourself. So you still need to find older men who have been tempered by experience, who have had life experience and who have been walking with God longer than you, who can pour into you and who, like we said, are worthy of imitation. But that doesn't also mean that God isn't going to use you as somebody who's worthy of imitation just because you're youthful, right? The Bible is actually full of examples of young men who are used by God in mighty ways and who are worthy of imitation even at a young age, right? Everybody from David to Solomon to Josiah to, you know, many of the disciples themselves uh, come to mind as we think through that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. And for the the second crew, so like that you, you call this middle-aged, I'm offended by that. I took that personally, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm almost <laughs> middle-aged. You're, you're just on the other side of middle-aged. I'm on the downhill spiral. Yeah, that's so. right. But yeah, no, I would, I would say just recognize that it's not too late. Like right. just to put these things in practice, the ship hasn't sailed. You can go back and make corrections. That's the beauty of 
Christianity, like our whole faith is built on renewal. You know what I mean? It's all built on yeah. revival. It's built death and like, resurrection. Exactly. Right. Like, so I was just writing my youth talk for tonight, which I'm talking on Jacob and it's like, well, what's the story of Jacob's life, right? Like failure, 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 success. And that comes through God intervening, but also it's just like, it doesn't mean that his whole life was over just because he made mistakes early. And so I would say like, give yourself the grace to recognize that you've probably made mistakes and you're going to make more. It doesn't mean that the, the trajectory is set forever for those guys. The same advice, find somebody who you can model your life after. And it might be like, again, you said you might have to piecemeal that. Cause like there might not be that guy who's Superman, you know what I mean? In your church. So find those men. And then I would and say, I would, and I would just say, I didn't know if you were going to move on. So I was just going to say in that age category, specifically your model should be Paul who had a Barnabas and found a Timothy, right? Yeah, that, I was that, just going to say, I was oh, going to say, man, there you go. like, Sorry. and then didn't mean to catch then you, you know, no, you have the opportunity then to practice what you preach and teach it. You know That's what I mean? right. Like, and one thing I, I don't think many people realize is that, like, usually the teacher learns a lot of things from the students because like, yeah, when you're, you're trying to stay ahead of the student, first of all, exactly. so it gives you an impetus to, to grow. Yeah. And like when you're teaching somebody like, Hey, do this, do this, do this you very quickly recognize the areas that you're, you're a bit of a hypocrite in, right? Yeah. Like, and so it, it actually irons a lot of those things out for you. And I would say like, so find a mentor and then start mentoring. Even if you don't feel like you're super equipped, you have something that you can pass on. It might be something as simple as like, you're really good with a hammer. I always use the handyman analogy because yeah. I am not a handyman. And like, I think some of the talks at the conference were good for that. Like Bundy did a couple on being an entrepreneur and things like that, which were really helpful. For the older men, I would say I'm a little bit more harsh on, I think, the older guys because chances that, like, everybody still needs to have somebody they're accountable to, but it's going to look different when you're in your 70s and 80s. Like, you probably don't have a mentor at that time. You've lived your life. You've done your work and all stuff. So I would say, like, to take Ted's phrase, die well. And so don't die with all your theology, all your life experience, all your practicality expiring on yourself. Pass it on. Even if you weren't a Christian for a lot of your life or you made mistakes and your, and your kids are a mess or whatever, it doesn't mean that you can't find a young man to pass this stuff on to and to like push a legacy and leave an inheritance, even if that inheritance is simply teaching and blessing in, on somebody's life. So I think of a couple men when I think of this, obviously our father-in-law is a very good patriarch in, in our families. We both are good friends with Barry Felker. Barry Felker is 83 years old. He's one of my best friends in the entire world. Why? Because he's taking his life experience and in thought process and just passes it on, shares it on, shares it on. That's the model, right? Like Barnabas trained up Paul, Paul trained up Timothy and Mark and all these people. And we don't know all of the accounts of who Timothy discipled and things like that. But it all starts with the older generations passing down their wisdom and their, and their knowledge. So I would say to those guys, stop golfing, stop wasting all your time pouring to men. And you can still golf after you take somebody out for breakfast. Take them golfing. Right. I just pick on golf a lot, I think. I have a whole rant about golf. I think golf's the most dangerous thing in manhood. I think it's more dangerous than pornography. What? Maybe not more, but like yeah. I think it's just highly addictive. It takes people away from their families. It does all these all these things that are destructive to the home, I think. Mm. There's a lot that's to be fair, there. but that's quite hyperbolic to say it's worse than pornography. I think porn is one of those things where it's like an obvious snake. Oh, I see. And golf's like stabbing, is right. doing all the Insidious. same things like, and, right. it's, and it's stabbing us in the back. And I've just been like, because you're not home with your family, you're kind of like, there's lots to talk about. That's a, there's a whole different podcast 
rant is I'm going to get flamed for it, but I'm fine with it. But I, I just said, like, don't die poorly, die well. So leave an inheritance, even if that inheritance is just your knowledge and your training up of all these men, do that. So, And I would say also to that guy, don't be afraid also to share the stories of your failures, right? Absolutely. Like you want the young men to learn from your mistakes. The whole idea of fatherhood is that you want your children to grow up without making the mistakes you did, right? Being born into the blessings that you have cultivated, right? The whole idea is that you want them born ahead of where you were. Yeah. And so I think similarly in terms of spiritual fatherhood, let them learn from the mistakes that you made. And so share those failures with them. Don't let your failures and the lessons learned from them expire on yourself. Use them to help guide a generation of men to not make those same mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And don't be passive about that either, right? Like Jesus paid for our sins, past, present, and future, which means the shame of those things that you you struggle with should be gone. It should have been crucified, right? right? So like if you were an alcoholic, I'm just using examples. If you were an alcoholic and God brought you out of it, share that testimony with a guy in the church who is either a recovering alcoholic or struggles with alcohol. You know what I mean? And that's that second Corinthians one thing, right? The God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction so that we might be of comfort to those who are similarly afflicted. Absolutely. Right. One, because it can help that person avoid the pitfall, but also two, because it strengthens them, right? It shows them the Christian victory because they can then say, oh, it helped Jimmy get out of this problem because I can see his life now is great, but he was in a mess when he was in this in this time. And I just don't think we were very good at testifying to those things. So I would also say, don't be passive about these things either. Like, it's kind of rampant in our culture to be like, oh, I, I want a mentor, but nobody's asked for me to be their disciple. Well, go and ask. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, take initiative. And yeah. that's like... And that's, that's all three categories, yeah. right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's part of like this whole idea of, of masculinity is one of the things that we talked about at the conference was that God blessed men with testosterone, which it creates, you know, uh, a sort of rambunctiousness, a certain level of, you know, it obviously creates sex drive, it creates assertiveness, all those kinds of things. And so the idea is that you temper those things, you point them in the right direction. And so a man who is sitting back passively waiting for somebody to come up and be like, will you be my mentor? You know, I think take initiative, be assertive and go and make this stuff happen because it's not going to happen naturally. And I think in the church, we've too long waited for a program to come along and a men's discipleship program that pairs you up and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is is that men buck against that partially because it's too passive, right? We want to be able to take initiative, but then we sit back and and we don't actually take the initiative. So you got to find that middle ground take initiative, be assertive, go make it happen, find somebody. Because it's in that, like, in a culture where too many men have been taken captive by the wiles of the world, finding like-minded men who are either finding or have a vision of biblical masculinity, that's a rare thing. So those men ought to be linked shoulder to shoulder because it's with men who understand their calling as men that God builds civilization. And our civilization is on fire, so we need men who can rebuild what the current effeminate men in the church have let go of. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, go that's listen good. to the docs. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, go listen. Yeah, they said it better than we did. It was us, though. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> We're good. We're good. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Cheers. Cheers.